Those men here, our host, the black cat, for the most wild yet more homely narrative which I am about to pen, I neither respect nor solicit belief. Mad indeed would I be to expect it in a case where my very senses reject that their own evidence. Yet I am mad, am I not? I am very surely do, I do not dream, but tomorrow I die, as the day I would unburden my soul. My immediate purpose is to be placed before the world, plainly, succinctly, without com- comment, a series of mere household events in their consequences. These events have terrified, have tortured, have destroyed me. Yet I will not attempt to postpone them. To me, they have presented little but horror. To many, they may, they will be seem little terror than bequests hereafter. Perhaps some intelligence may be found with which will reduce my phantasm to a little commonplace, some intellect more calm, more logical, less, far less excitable than my own, which will receive in circumstances. I deal to with all, nothing more than an ordinary succession of no, very normal natural causes and effects. For my, uh, my own infancy, I have noted for disminuity and humanity of my disposition. My tenderness of the heart was ever so capricious to make me the jest of my companions. I was especially fond of animals and was dulled by my parents with a great variety of pets. With those, I spent most of my time. Never was so happy as when feeding and caressing them. This peculiarity of character grew by my growth into my manhood. I derived it from one of my principal sources of pleasure to those who would have cherished an affection for a faithful and sagacious dog. I had hardly been at trouble to explain the nature of intensity of the gratification thus derivable. There is something in the unselfish and self-sacrificing love of a brute, which does, which does directly to the heart of him, which is frequent occasion to test the priority friendship and gossamer infinity of mere man. I married early and was happy to find in my wife a desperation not uncommonly with my own, observing my particularity for domestic pets. She lost no opportunity of procuring those the most agreeable kind. We had birds, goldfish, a fine dog, rabbits, a small monkey, and a cat. That latter was a remarkable, large, and beautiful animal, tiny black and sagacious, to the astonishing degree. In speaking of its intelligence, my wife, who at heart was not a little bit little tinctured with suspicion, made frequent allusion to the popular, ancient popular notion which regarded all black cats as witches in disguise. Nor, not that she was ever serious upon that point. I mentioned the matter at all, for no reason, no reason then it happens just now to be remembered. Pluto, that was the cat's name, my favourite pet and playmate. I alone fed him. He had attended me wherever I went 
about the house. It was even with difficulty I could prevent him from following me through the streets. Our friendship lasted in this manner for several years, during which my general temperament and character, through the instrumentality of fiend impemperance, and, I blush to confess it, experienced a radical alteration for the worse. I grew, day by day, more moody, more irritable, more regardless of the feelings of others. I suffered myself to use intemperate language at my own length. I been, I even offered my, her personal violence. My pets, of course, were made to feel the change in my disposition. I only, I not only neglected but ill-used them. For Pluto, however, I still retained significant regard to restraining from maltreating him, as I made no scruple for a moment. As I made no scruple for maltreating the rabbits, the monkey, or even the dog, when by accident, or even through affection, they came in my, in my way. But my disease grew upon me, for what disease is like alcohol? At length, even Pluto, being becoming, who was now becoming old and constantly what, somewhat peevish, even Pluto began to experience the effects of my ill temper. One night, returning home, much intoxicated from my, from one of my haunts about town, I fancied that the cat annoyance. I fancied the cat avoided my presence. I seized him when, in his fright at my violence, he inflicted a slight wound upon my hand with his teeth. It threw the demon instantly possessed me. I knew nothing. I knew myself no longer. My original soul seemed at once to take flight from my body. I'm a a more than fiendish malevolence, gin-nutured, filled every fibre of my frame. I took from my waistcoat a pocket, a, a, a penknife, opened it, glassed the poor beast by the throat, and deliberately cut one of his eyes from his from the socket. I blush, I burn, and shudder when the pen, when I a pen, the donable atrocity. When reason returned for the morning, when I had slept off the fumes of the night's debauch. I experienced a sentiment half of horror, half of remorse of the crime which had been guilty. But it was at best a feeble and equivocal feeling, the soul remaining untouched. I again plunged in excess, and soon drowned in, in all wine of all memory of the deed. In the meanwhile, the cat recovered. The socket of the lost eye presented its true and a frightful appearance, but no longer appeared to suffer any pain. We went about the house as usual, but as it might be expected, fled in extreme terror at my approach. I had so much of my old heart left as to be first grieved by his evident dislike on the part of a creature which had once so loved me, but his feelings soon gave place to irritation, and then came as my final and irrecoverable Oh, from the spirit previousness, this spirit philosophy takes no account. Yet I am not more sure that my soul lives. That I am that that I am that previous is my is one of my primitive impulses of the human heart, one of the indivisible principle facilities or sentiments which give the direction to the character of man. Who has not a hundred times found himself committing a vow? or silly action, for no other reason than because he knows he should not. Have we not a 
parental incarnation in the teeth of our own best judgment to violate which is law, merely because we had sent it as such. This period of peevishness, I say, came to my final overthrow. It was this unfathomable longing of the soul that vexed itself to utter violence of its own nature, to do wrong for the wrong's sake only. That urged me to continue and finally consummate the injury and I had inflicted upon the unfending brute. One morning in cold blood I slipped a noose around its neck and hung it to the tree of a limb, hung it from its, with the tears streaming from my eyes, with the bitterness remorse of my heart, hung it because I knew it loved me, and because I felt it had been given me no reason or offence, hung it because I knew that, that in doing so I had committed a sin, I was committing a sin, a deadly sin, which would do, would so jeopardize my immortal soul as a place to place it if such a thing were possible even beyond the reach of infinite mercy a most merciful and most terrible God on the night of the day which this cruel deed was done I aroused from sleep with a cry of fire the curtains of my bed were in flames the whole house was blazing it is a great difficulty that my wife a servant and myself made our escape from the conflagration the destruction was complete. My entire worldly wealth was swallowed up. I resigned myself thenceforward to a despair. I am above the weakness of seeking to establish a sequence of cause and effect between the disaster and the atrocity by detailing the chain of facts. I wish not to leave even the most possible link imperfect. On the day succeeding the fire, I am visited the ruins, the walls, which one exception had fallen in. This exception was found in a compartment wall, not very thick, but stood about the middle of the house, against which had rested the head of my bed. The plastering had here, in great measure, resisted the action of fire. In fact, I contributed to having been recently spread. About this wall a dense crowd were collected, and many persons seemed to be examining the peculiar portion of which every minute and eager attention were strange, singular, and other similar to expressions that excited my curiosity. I approached and saw, as it gravened its base relief upon the white surface, a figure of a gigantic cat. The impression was given with an accuracy normally truly marvellous there was a rope about the animal's neck when I first beheld its apparition for I could not scarcely regard it as less my wonder my terror was extreme but a terror reflection came to my aid a cat I remember had been hung in a tree adjacent to the house upon the alarm of the fire this garden had been immediately filled by the crowd by some of whom the animal might have been cut a tree and thrown through an open window into my chamber. This has probably been done with a view of rousing me from my sleep. The falling of the other walls have compressed the victim of my cruelty into the substance of mere freshly laid spread molaster, the lime of which had then had then with flames and ammonia for the carcass it's accomplished the peculiar as I saw it. Although I thus fairly announced accounted my reason, I did if not altogether my conscience, for the startling fact just detailed 
it did not release fall to make a deep impression upon my fancy. For months, I could not rid myself of the phantasm of the cat. And during, during this period, there came it back into my office, half sentiment it seemed, but there was no doubt remorse. I felt so far to regret the loss of the animal, and look upon me ab- ab- among the vault holes, which are laid habitually frequented for another pet of the same species, a somewhat similar appearance for what of which it supplies its place. One night, as I sat half spoofified in a den, more than infirmity, my my attention was dreamy. My attention was suddenly drawn to some black object reposing upon the head of one of the immense hockings of gin and or rum, which constituted the chief furniture of the apartment. I had been looking steadily at the top of the host hogshead for some minutes, and now it caused me to surprise was the fact I had no sooner perceived the object. Therefore, I approached it and touched it with my hand. It was a black cat, a very large one, fully as large as Pluto, and closely resembled him in every respect but one. Pluto had not a white hair upon any portion of his body, but his cat had a large, although infinite splodge of white, covering nearby the whole region of the breast. breast. Upon my touching him, he immediately rose, purred loudly, rubbed against my hand, appeared delighted by my notice. This, then, was the very creature of which I was, to, was in search. I, uh, I once offered to purchase it to, for the landlord, but this, but this person made no claim to it, knew nothing of it, had never seen it before. I continued my caresses, and then I prepared to go home. The animal advised to disposition to accompany me. I have been permitted to do so, occasionally stooping and patting it as I proceeded. When it reached my house, it domesticated itself at once, came immediately a great favour of my wife. For my part, I found a, a dislike of, to it arising within me. It was just the reverse of what I anticipated, but I know not why or why, why it was. As evident fondness for myself, rather disgusted and annoyance, by slow by slow degrees, these feelings of disgust and annoyance arose into bitterness of hatred. I avoided the creature a certain sense of shame and remembrance of my former deed of cruelty, preventing me from physically abusing it. But I did I did not for some weeks strike, or otherwise violently ill use it. But gradually, very gradually, came to look upon it with an utterance, loathing, and see silently from its odious presence as from the breath of its persistence. But what added, no doubt, to my hatred of the beast was the discovery the morning after I brought it home that, like Pluto, it had been deprived of one of its eyes. These circumstances have only endeared it to my wife, who, I had already said, possessed a high degree that humanity of feeling which had once been my distinguishing trait, and such a source of many of my simplest and purest pleasures. With my aversion to this cat, however, it particularly for myself seemed to increase. It followed my footsteps with penitency, which I would, it would be difficult to 
make the reader comprehend. Whenever I sat, it would crouch beneath my chair, or spring upon my knees, covering me with its loathsome caresses. If I rose to walk, it would get between my feet, and thus nearly throw me down, or, or fastening its long and sharp claws in my dress chamber, in the manner to my breast. At such time, I already, though I longed to destroy it with a blow, I was yet beheld for doing so, partly of its it to my by a memory of a former crime, but chiefly, let me confess at once, by that so dread of the dread of the beast. Its dread was not entirely dread of the physical evil, yet it should be at last how unwise to define it. I am almost ashamed to own. Yes, even in this felon's cell, I am about. I am almost ashamed to own that is terrible. That the, that the terrible horror of which the animal inspired me had heightened me to my one of my merest careers to be would be possible could drive. My wife called my attention more than one to the character of the mark of white hair which I had spoken and which constituted the whole same soul visible difference between the strange beast and the one I had destroyed. The reader will remember that this mark, although large, but originally very indifferent and finite. But by slow degrees, the reeds nearly imperceivable, which for a long time my reason struggled to reject as fanciful. It had length, assumed a rigorous distinctness of outline. It was now the representation of an object that I shuddered to name. Above this, above all, I loathed and dreaded. I would have to rid myself of the months I had dared. It was n- now I saw the image of this idiot, of ghastly thing, of the gallows, of mournful, terrible engine of horror and grime, of agony and of death. And now I was indeed wretched upon beyond the wretchedness of mere humanity and a brute beast, whose fellow I had completely destroyed, a brute beast to work out for me. For me, a man fashioned in the image of the high guard, so much of him suffered woe, alas, neither by day nor neither night, knew I the blessing of the rest any more. During the former, the creature left me no moment alone. In the latter, I started hourly after dreams of utmost fear to find the hot breath of the thing upon my face, its vast weight and incarnate nightmare. I could no I had no power to shake off in comrade eternally upon my heart. Beneath the pressure of torments and such as these, a feeble remnant of good within me succumbed. Evil thoughts became my sole inmates. The darkness and most evil of thoughts, the moodness of my utter usual temper increased the hatred of things of all mankind, while which a sudden frequented ungovernable outbursts of fury, which I now blindly abandoned myself, my own complaining wife, alas, the most unusual and most patient of sufferers, one day she accompanied me upon some household errand into the cellar of the old building which our poverty could build us to habit. The cat followed me down the steep stairs. It uh, nearly threw me headlong, attached me to madness, uplifting an axe and forgetting my wolf, a childish deed with which I hitherto stayed my hand, I aimed a blow at the creature, a blow at the animal, which of course would have proved instantly fatal, and it descended 
as, it, as I wished. But this blow was arrested by the head of my wife, goaded by the interference into a rage more than diabolical. I drew my arm from her grasp and buried the axe in her head. She fell dead upon the spot without a groan. This hideous murder accomplished, I set myself forth with entire deliberation to the task of concealing the body. I knew I could not remove it from the house, neither, neither by day or night, without the risk of being observed by the neighbours. Many projects entered my head, my mind. I, at first, at one period, I thought of cutting and the corpse into minute fragments and destroying them by fire. Another, I did resolve to dig a grave for the poor floor into the cellar. Along again, I deliberated about casting it into a well in the, in the yard, about packing it in the box as it merchandised the full the, 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 the usual arrangements and getting a porter to make it, to take it from the house. Finally, I hit upon what I cared, considered a far better experiment than. Either these, I determined to wall it up in the cellar, as the monks of the Middle Ages have recorded to have walled their victims. The purpose of which this cellar had been well was well adapted. The walls were loosely constructed, and later been plastered throughout the rough poster, which we which the dampness of the atmosphere prevented from hardening. Moreover, in one of the walls was projected cause a false chimney or fireplace had been filled up and made to resemble the rest of a cellar. I made no doubt that it would easily disperse the bricks at this point, insert the corpse and roll the hole up before, so that no eye would detect anything suspicious. In this calculation I was not deceived. By means of a crowbar I easily dislodged the bridge, and having carefully disposed the body against the inner wall, I popped it into that position. While with little trouble, we laid the whole structure of originally stood as it originally stood, having covered mortar and sand and hair with every possible caution. I prepared a plaster which could not be distinguished from the old, and I was with this. I very carefully went over the new brickwork which I had finished. I felt satisfied that it was all right. The wall did not present the slightest appearance of having been disturbed. The rubbish on the floor was picked up with minute care. I looked around triumphantly and said to myself, Here at last, then my labour has not been in vain. My next step was to look at the, for the beast, for which the cause of so much recklessness as I had, and then firmly resolved to put to death. Put it to death, had I been able to meet with it. At a moment, there could have been no doubt of its fate, but it appeared that the crafty creature had been alarmed at the violence by previous anger, and therefore born to present itself in my present mood. It's impossible to describe or to imagine a depth and blissful sense of relief which the absence of the detested creature accused, occasioned by my bosom. It did not make its appearance during the night, and that's one night at least. Since his introduction into the house, I soundly and tranquilly slept. Ah, I slept even the burden of murder upon my soul. The second and third day passed till my tormentor came. Once again I breathed as a free man, a monster in terror had fled the premises forever. I should behold it no more. My happiness was supreme. The guilt of my dark deed disturbed me but little. 
Some few inquiries were made, but these had been readily answered. Even a search had been instituted, but of course nothing would be discovered. Was to be discovered. I looked upon my future facility as secure. Upon the fourth day of the assassination, a group of police came very expectantly to the house and proceeded again to make vigorous investigation of premises. Secure, however, in the scrutability of my place of concealment, I felt no embarrassment whatever. The professors bade me accompany them in search. In their search, they took they left no no corners unexplored. At length, for the third or fourth time, they descended into the cellar. I quivered not in the muscle. My heart beat calmly, as they one of them slumbers is in innocence. I walked the cellar from end to end. I folded my arms upon my bosom. I raised. They roamed easily to and fro. The police were very satisfied and prepared to part. The glee in my heart was too strong to be retained. Restraining a baron to say it one, but one word, my, by way of triumph, and rendered doubtly that the assurances of my goodness as gentlemen, I said at last, at the party who ascended the steps. I'd like to have arrayed your suspicion. I wish you all well, health and little more courtesy by the by, gentlemen, this is a very well-constructed house in the rabid desire. There's something easy I scarcely knew what I uttered at all. I may say an excellent well-constructed house. These walls are going... Are you going, gentlemen? These walls are solidly put together. And here, though, the mere friends of Bravadio, I wrapped heavily with a cane which I held in my hand upon the very portion of the brickwork behind that that stood the corpse of my wife on my bosom. But may God's children deliver me from the fangs of the arch fiend. No sooner had a reversion of my brow struck in science than it was answered by a voice within the tomb, a cry, a very muffled and broken, like a sobbing of a child, a more quickly spawning into one long and continuous scream, utterly anonymous and inhuman, a howling, a wailing shriek, half of horror, half of triumph, such as it might have risen only out of hell, conjuring from the throats of the damned in the agony of the demons and exalt of the donation. Of my own faults of folly to speak, swooning, I swaggered to the opposite wall. For one instant the party upon those stairs remained motionless through extremity of terror and awe. In the next the next dozen stout arms were tolling at the wall. It fell boldly. A corpse already decayed and clotted with gore stood erect which filled the eyes of the spectators upon its head with red extended mouth and its fronty eyes of fibre. The hideous beast whose craft I had seduced me into murder and those informing me that, that and those performing um, whose voice filming Voice and consigned me to the hang to the hangman. I had walled a monster within the tomb.